Welcome to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Axel Ragnarsson, and on this show, I dissect how seasoned multifamily investors started, built, and scaled their businesses. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing the five steps that new investors should take when breaking into commercial multifamily or residential investors that are looking to make the transition or make the leap into commercial multifamily investing. And these five steps, I think, are the most important steps to take. And my recommendation for all newer investors that are listening to this episode is just listen to these five steps and then just do them. Because everything that you are going to be doing that falls outside of these five steps or each of these specific steps in the process isn't really going to move the needle for you, right? So stay focused, follow these five steps, and you're going to be investing in commercial multifamily in no time. So let's jump right into them. We'll make this episode nice and quick. Step one, narrowly define your investment objectives. And what I mean by narrowly defining your investment objectives is specific to what you want to make as an investor or what your investors who are going to be investing alongside you or with you want to make. Because it's critical to establish what your investment objectives are because in step two, we're going to talk about it. It needs to align with what you're actually going to pursue. Like, So let's talk about some spectrums here. Higher low cash flow, higher low equity growth, you know, value add. What's the risk profile of the projects you want to take? You know, Are you somebody that is looking for cash flow in the short term? Well, then you may need to invest in slightly lower priced markets where cash flow is easier to find. Let's say you're less concerned with cash flow because you've got a business that makes a ton of money or your job makes a ton of money. You're looking for safer investments that are going to increase your likelihood of equity growth over time. Well, maybe that's going to be some higher price markets. You're going to be in more core metros. You're going to be close to the cities or you're going to be buying newly built real estate or more recently built real estate. Are you looking to make 15% IRRs or 20 IRRs, right? That's going to dictate whether or not you're doing light to moderate value add deals or whether you're looking for more stabilized deals. Let's say you want to make more than that. Maybe you got to get into some heavy value add or redevelopment or development type deals. So it's important to define what your own personal objective is. And no one knows the answer to that other than you. And you also need to be realistic about what that is. You can't have your cake and eat it too, unless you're willing to spend tons of time finding those needle in a haystack deals. You know, they do exist, but they're harder to find, right? You can find your 30, 40% IRRs, right? If you're going to go and spend a ton of time going direct to seller and you're going to buy those two or three deals a year that are home run deals, certainly possible. But you also need to pair your projected returns or your desired returns with your ability to invest time into finding opportunities that align with that. So sit down and actually identify, do I want higher low cash flow, mid, you know, mid-tier cash flow, higher low equity growth, mid-tier equity growth? Am I looking to spend a lot of time managing our projects, right? Because if so, then you can probably justify doing moderate heavy value adds, redevelopment, stuff like that. If you're looking to invest more passively, probably need to go look for more turnkey or light value add deals. So sit down, understand what you're looking for. And then that's going to dictate what happens in step two, which is selecting your target market and selecting your target product type, your target actual real estate or type of real estate that you're actually going to pursue from a deal standpoint. And the other small component of this is aligning this with your financial ability to execute on a deal. You know, what what do you have available cash-wise straight up? Like what can you go put into a deal? If you've got 10 grand in the bank, 
there's no point in you going and looking for 50 unit deals. It's going to cost more than that for a deposit, right? An extreme that's an extreme scenario, but you need to you need to assess what you're able to do from a personal financial standpoint as it relates to being able to even pursue deals from a contract standpoint. You know, because it costs money to close deals before you even get to the or costs money to just go into contract on deals is what I'm trying to say before you even actually get to closing. So assess your personal financial situation first, and then that's going to dictate the size of deals that you can pursue. And then based on all of the investment objectives and return, you know, desired returns that you want to achieve, which you define in step one, you can then pick a market and a product type. So let's say you want high cash flow and you're okay with a little bit more high variance, low equity growth. Well, maybe a tertiary market of some kind, maybe the Midwest, right? Just as a general rule of thumb, as a region, you know, the inverse of that, that you wouldn't want to be buying in is like a Boston or an NYC or a place with low cap rates where you're really not going to earn any meaningful cash flow. You're basically just parking money. So you need to find a market that aligns with what you want. And then you need to start targeting, you need to start developing your acquisition criteria around the types of properties that also fall within that objective. Are you going to be looking for five unit deals, 10 unit deals, light value adds, moderate value adds, heavy value adds? Are you looking for development deals? You know, what are you looking for? Right. And then you need to make sure that there's alignment between your acquisition criteria in your target market with your investment objectives and your desired returns. Step three, once you've identified those two, is developing a deep familiarity with that segment of the marketplace. So let's say you're willing, you know, you want. Five to seven percent cash on cash returns. You want you want you want to be in a growing area. Maybe that's a secondary market in like you know I don't know a city in South Carolina, right? Maybe you've identified Spartanburg, South Carolina as I'm just throwing shit at the wall, but you've identified that as the type of market that you can be in. So what happens now is you need to define your product type. Maybe it's ten to fifty units. You need to you need to thoroughly understand what those types of properties trade at. You need to thoroughly understand what average rents are for one bed units, two bed units, three bed units. You need to thoroughly understand what cap rates those deals trade at. And you need to start understanding exactly what those types of properties are selling for, right? And how you do this is by underwriting a ton of deals. So develop some relationships with brokers, get on LoopNet, start receiving some OMs, and start underwriting these deals. And what's most important is to look backwards retroactively of, of you know at the deals that have closed, because that's going to tell you what the actual market believes the value of these properties to be once you have a closing price. Look at the cap rate that these properties sold at. Look at the price per unit that these properties sold at. You should be on Rentometer and Zillow and Apartments.com all of the time, just looking at rents, looking at rents, right? trying to develop a deep familiarity with what different types of units are going to rent for what the rents are in the different little neighborhoods and zip codes and sub pockets within that market so that you can underwrite with confidence because you're never going to be in a position to do a deal if you can't underwrite with confidence. This is perhaps the most critical step in this whole process. Something that I still do now, even though we own hundreds of units in a very small geographical area in New Hampshire, is like I just look at Zillow while I'm watching TV or watching a, you know, a, a Celtics game and I just look at rents. Like it's just a five, 10 minute exercise. I'm constantly looking at what other people are listing their units for. In addition to retroactively analyzing our own historical data within our portfolio, because it's so critical. The most important projected figure in any underwriting are your rents. And that's just bar none other than your exit cap, which is those are the two most easily manipulated figures. So you must get those right. And you need to spend time in step three, after you've identified your objectives, you've identified your target acquisition criteria, you need to understand 
exactly what those properties are worth, what they trade at, what they rent for, so that when they come to market, you can act decisively. Step four is you need to start developing relationships with the important individuals that service that market and that product type. So this is brokers. These are property managers. These are the other investors that play in the space. These could be some of the closing attorneys and title companies, et cetera. All of the different individuals that are going to be important for you to know when you're actually executing on a deal. Brokers is the easy one. They help build the top of the funnel. But it's just as important to have a great property management relationship even before you close a deal because they should help you underwrite a deal when you're making those those final offers on properties to make sure that you're not making assumptions that aren't realistic as it relates to rents or expenses. And this is just going to take some time, right? This is just going to take time. It's going to take going to the networking events. It's going to take sending emails. It's going to take touring deals. It's going to take asking other investors for referrals, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that's step four in this process. Now on step five, right? Final step. We need to be relentlessly focused on pipeline development. We need to be relentlessly focused on dropping deals into the top of the funnel. So deals from brokers, deals from other investors, deals from wholesalers, deals from sellers, right? If you're going to start going direct to seller. And you need to put yourself in a position to underwrite a lot of deals because that's going to solidify your knowledge of what you're actually pursuing and what you're investing in. So if we go back to step three for a second, it's it's helpful to underwrite deals from brokers and historical deals, but it's also very important to be underwriting live deals. So step five is you just need to look at a ton of deals before you are in a position to where you find the good ones. And I think that the best negotiating tool you can have in real estate is never being attached to one specific deal. So just by virtue of you seeing a lot of deals, you never become emotionally attached to one because you always know there's another one coming around the corner, which allows you to do better deals and never puts you in a position to where you feel emotionally attached to one, which is how most newer investors find themselves in trouble. So in summary, let me talk about these five steps again. Number one, narrowly define your investment objectives from a return standpoint. Number two, select a market and a product type and a property type that aligns with those uh, investment objectives and your desired returns. Step three, develop deep familiarity with that segment of the marketplace, rents, pricing, cap rates, et cetera. Step four, begin developing relationships with all the key service providers that are active within that certain geographical market in that segment of the marketplace from a product type standpoint. And step five, build the hell out of your pipeline, right? And step five is where you start getting into all of the things that you'll do forever as a real estate investor and you never stop developing your pipeline. That's where you start to get into what you do into the long term. So I hope this episode was helpful for all the new investors out there that want to get into multifamily or the residential investors that want to make the leap into multifamily. Those are the five things that you got to focus on. And if you found this episode to be helpful, please leave the show a rating and a review. If you haven't already, please do. So it helps the show get noticed by more folks, helps get more people you know, in front of the podcast. And that's really our objective is we want to help more multifamily investors grow better businesses. So if you haven't already, would greatly appreciate that. And thanks again for listening. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. 